Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Today's guest is Cécile Bliliou, the founder and managing partner at Impact First Investments, where she specializes in integrating technology, social impact, and financial sustainability. She's a very experienced investor who's considered a pioneer of the impact industry in Israel and a global thought leader. Prior to founding Impact First, Cécile gained extensive management experience with high-tech startups while managing the investments of the Noaber Foundation for over 14 years. Furthermore, Cécile was one of the initiators of the Al-Bawadr Private Equity Fund, established to invest in businesses in the Arab communities based in Israel. Cécile, it's a great pleasure to have you on. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much, Marina. I'm so happy to be here. It's a real honor. Well, it's, uh, the honor is all ours. And uh, the first question that I always ask my interviewees is, how have you become such a force for good in the world? What happened in your life that put you on this path? Well, you know, I always say that um, somehow life happens. And if we don't try to um, interfere too much, then uh, good things happen. And of course, bad things happen too, but you have to look at the good opportunities. And I had the amazing opportunity to... Uh, be a, come along with uh, with Paul Bann when he founded uh, the Nobel Foundation uh, after the dot-com bubble burst. And um, he asked me, he said, well, I would like to look at capital and purpose in a different way and values and align all these. And would you like to join me and look at Israel as a startup nation, so as, as a source for um, uh, ideas and innovation in technology? And blend that with our knowledge of uh, entrepreneurship and investment. And I said, sure, of course. And uh, of course, we didn't know what we were talking about. But he really gave me this amazing opportunity to figure it all out together with him and, and the team of, of the Nobel Foundation. And that was really pretty amazing, um, bringing all of my passions together. And so I think, for one, I have to acknowledge the amazing opportunity that Porban gave me and, uh, and br to bring me into this world that eventually became what is now called impact investing. Um, further to that, unfortunately, uh, almost 15 years ago, I uh, had um, um, my own tragedy in my, in my family um, where I lost my husband to a, a traffic accident. And, uh, and I think if there's one thing that I learned from that is that our life here and our time here is really measured, maybe short, maybe long, we don't know what it is, but we're here and we should be doing something good with our presence here. So if I ever needed a reminder of how short life is and how valuable and precious it is and how important it is for us to bring ourselves to do something that is really aligned with what we believe in and to do good, that was it. So, so altogether, this has formed me to what I am today. Wow, this is. Uh, I'm. I'm very sorry to hear that uh, about your loss. That's um, terrible. Thanks. I just lost my parents. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Two, but you know, this is actually the first ago. time I ever share this uh, publicly. So, <laughs> well, but th this is what is all about because you're such an inspiration, and I. I hope that people don't have to wait for something terrible like you have had to experience to. Uh, change our life and give them more meaning. Uh, so this oh, is why we do this. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Yeah. 
So your passion comes beautifully through and it's clearly focused toward the ample development of impact investing worldwide. And you also stated, and I quote, our role as impact investors is to be pioneers, to change the world, to show that impact investing works. Absolutely. How do you do that? How, what can you take our listeners through the top tenets of how this transformation could be implemented from your perspective? Of course. So first of all, I think that the role of impact investors is to be ahead of everybody else. It's like we are the, the commando of this, uh, of this world in, in a sense. Uh, it's our job to look at things differently, to be early adapters, to be open to ideas and, and new concepts, um, which in time need to be adopted by the mainstream investors, mainstream entrepreneurs, anybody in the mainstream. And then we can become obsolete and move on to the next pioneering thing that, uh, that brings more good. So I, I think it's a moving target. So being an, an impact entrepreneur or an impact investor to me means that uh, we really need to um, experiment and be open to uh, to changing the world, but um, being sort of a Trojan horse, like uh, embed ourselves in the mainstream and gradually move the needle by doing and by showing what we do. Not not about preaching and about telling others what to do, but really to to uh, adopt uh, and showcase what we do and, and practice what we preach. So. Um, I think that when we want to be catalytic and transformative, we really need to think of uh, this this business arena as our playground and the places where we can uh, make the most influence by bringing either the most successful entrepreneurs, the, the role models of impact investors, people who uh, may have... Uh, had a change in their career and all their lives were maybe Wall Street people and then all of a sudden they decided that they actually needed to change and do good and then bring them to the front and, and just continue to support and showcase these people and and create great examples and great success stories and also failures, but at least learn from them so that we can gradually move the whole industry behind us uh, with the hope of one day just being able to drop the whole impact investing terminology altogether and just, you know, it's just going to be good investing and any other kind of investing would just be unacceptable. So, you know, th this is really where I think our catalytic uh, force is as, as impact investors. We're the spearhead. We're going marching ahead of everybody else, but everybody else is coming. Right. I couldn't agree more. The... <clears throat> The question that uh, we have, in, uh, in our case, we've been on this path for since the mid-90s, the question that uh, we see is, how can the Trojan horse of impact investing address the elephant in the room, which um, is defined by the profit-driven governments, the regulations that they have issued, and the entire industry that is profit-orientated, and that is basically is prevented from adding the so-called externalities to their main measurement criterion for success, which is profit. So how do you see us address that? So I think maybe the word profit is, um, is overrated. Maybe we should look at returns. And then when we think about returns, uh, and you know, if you speak to just mainstream investors and you talk about returns, of course, their head goes directly into the financial returns. But actually when you show them that there's more than one kind of returns, 
then I think they they can be more uh, uh, aligned towards it and, and they understand. Obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about people. There's no such thing as a system. It's always people. So if people connect with the idea and people understand that that there are values that are in, embedded into the business practices that, that they can also benefit from as human beings, as, as parents, as children, as, uh, you know, just um, people who are uh, uh, using uh, this earth uh, for, for whatever uh, needs, um, then they will, they will understand that returns are more diverse than just this one track of profit. So, so I think that's, first of all, changing the mindset of people of what returns are. And, and these people, they can be uh, angel investors, but they can also be pension fund managers and politicians and people who are talking about financial markets and talking about uh, moving money into, into whatever direction. So first of all, it's about changing their mindset and, and showcasing to people who eventually take decisions on behalf of the system. And, and I think this is where we first start. Then... Uh, I think the, the um, a very strong uh, uh, direction is aging. If you look at aging, for example, people understand. And if you look at people themselves, you know, managers of, of uh, pension funds, for instance, for instance, they're also aging themselves. So they're realizing, people are realizing that there is a problem. And there's many, many problems related to aging in terms of the financial ability of people and jobs and uh, the earth that they're retiring to and what are the um, systems or maybe technologies that they can use when they're uh, uh, older. All these things may have more than one type of return. So I think this is a concept that can be easily transferred. Um, and it's not a political topic like like the environment, but the environment is also something that we all feel, right? We all understand what we eat and uh, what the air we breathe and what water we drink and all these things. But it's such a um, a terribly political uh, issue these days that if you want to convince anybody uh, to look at returns in a broader sense, it's hard to go into that particular direction. At least it's been in my experience because people immediately take it to uh, politics, and then this is not where I where the discussion should be. So I like to talk about aging, and I like to talk about inclus inclusion, people with disabilities, um, gender. I like to to talk about things that are are not debatable, and and people are connecting with them. And as people, they understand that there's a problem, and maybe we should look at the types of investments that we make that are able to give us more than just financial returns. Now, of course, on the other hand, we should not compromise on the financial returns, because if we do, then we'll be accused, and rightly so, of being tree huggers that are really just looking to uh, do good things, but, uh, you know, let's all uh, hold hands and sing Kumbaya and, and uh, uh, hug some trees, and, and there's no money into it. So we want to get out of that paradigm. And so we need to be very, very focused on making the best possible investments that bring the best possible returns and show that it can be done, show successes, and show that when you look at returns then, and you look at the whole array of returns, then if you make a great success with a startup company that is doing some solution or creating some solution for um, some, some social uh, uh, challenge in the world, and scaled and successful and, and brings value to people, but also money, that is when we, we really can change people's minds. So, so it's about changing the paradigms and the mindsets of people, tr talking to them as, as people, as human beings that have values themselves as well, and trying to integrate more than one type of returns into the conversation.
Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And yet the, <clears throat> the way the, the fiduciary responsibility that such fund managers have is to be respected and um, they will still need more numbers, more data, as they say they do. And this is also reflected in the fact that um, between 1% and 2% of all assets uh, under management worldwide only are um, uh, invested with, uh, in, you know, with impact. Uh, the rest is, you know, more or less uh, environmental, social, government, so up to 30%, and the rest is traditional. So what is your recommendation on how can we accelerate uh, the significant rates of impact investing industry? Because mindset cha- change uh, takes a lot. I mean, do you have children? I have four daughters. Four daughters, then you know how long it takes <laughs> to change mindset. <laughs> so how can we accelerate the uh, the issues and given all the environmental problems that we have right now mm, good question so uh, the, I, I think it's a top down and bottom up solution so top down it's about uh, uh, politics it's about politicians it's about countries it's about um, convincing um, opinion leaders and uh, governments to to just put in those parameters into the fiduciary duties and look at uh, at, at more holistic approach, uh, including the environment, including society, etc., uh, into the the um, instructions to to the big fund managers. So that's the top down, and another top down thing is that the major and massive pension funds and and sovereign funds that are that are potentially looking at impact and could be potentially looking at impact. Having are having a lot of problems to deploy their capital because they're just too big, and it's really hard for them to be investing in in funds or in other mechanisms uh, without just controlling it, and they can't control it. So somehow, uh, top down again, there needs to come in a sort of uh, like like the big society capital, like uh, organizations that can break down large sums of capital into smaller pieces that can be then deployed into smaller funds that will each do their own thing. So. I think top down, it's uh, it's a matter of policies, uh, governments, uh, and in influencing uh, uh, the larger funds in a way that can also get the money to to trickle down to smaller organizations, which is where the 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 top down, oh, sorry, the bottom up uh, part starts. On the bottom up start uh, part, I would say. Uh, uh, speaking about uh, uh, moving faster. You know, I, I come from the high-tech sector. I deal with, with impact in, in technology. So with us, everything is fast. And uh, and disrupting the market, you know, incremental uh, growth is nice, but it's not good enough. So disrupting it means um, really bringing a lot of knowledge and information to entrepreneurs, make them scale hard and fast, uh, bring capital that can help them uh, scale and, and their solutions and really go out into the market, take risks because many of these companies are early stage and they need um, investors who are okay with uh, with high risk of early stage companies and um, and and then just disseminate it in the world to, to showcase uh, what is out there, what is available and, and then what can scale. And if we do these two together and each person or each organization will take its own part in it, then, then we can, I think, scale faster. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Besides the argument that there aren't enough 
investment opportunities is through this kind of approach totally obsolete because it's not true. <laughs> Every investment can be uh, made a, into an impact investing. Oh, yeah. If you're willing to measure, uh, of course, uh, the impact criteria, which of course brings us to the topic, how do you measure uh, the holistic success of your investments? Right. So first of all, we always have the business side, uh, which is uh, crucial because if the business is lame, then the impact will be lame. And we always want to invest in companies that are uh, combining within their DNA, the, uh, the social impact is embedded into the product. So this is not a second layer of impact on top of the business, but actually the business and the product is what makes or creates the impact. So, so obviously, the more these companies are able to deploy their products, the more sales they'll have, the more profits they'll make, and the more um, impact they'll have. So, so this has to be a criteria to begin with. Then we require our companies to become B Corps. Um, we believe that benchmarking and talking the language of the plain vanilla impact investors worldwide is important. Uh, B Corp has, uh, ha you know, happens to be the tool that everybody else uses and recognizes. So we believe this is important to be within that uh, uh, um, community. We ourselves, as impact firms, are, are a B Corp. We've been a B Corp since 2013, first one in Israel, and advocating strongly for companies to to um, come on board. So we have those, and and they are benchmarked. Um, and next to that, we are we have our um, uh, sort of a, an internal uh, assessment tool where we um, uh, figure out a few ways that we think the companies are going to be making impact and we, we close the loop by uh, measuring that and seeing if they actually achieve their goals and these goals have to be totally embedded within their business case so to give you an example, if uh, we have a company that is creating a tracking and monitoring for autistic children, for instance, a company called AngelSense. So uh, if the company says that they're going to impact uh, a thousand lives, uh, then we need to make sure that they actually reach a thousand um, uh, people and a thousand uh, customers that are going to pay them. So they're going to have the impact of the financial side where they get uh, the revenues, but on the other hand, they will be able to impact these thousand lives. So it it has to be embedded in the in the business model. Um, we also use the Cinzer tool, which is uh, um, a Dutch tool that was created when I was also working with the Nober Foundation, um, that helps us uh, monetize and do an SRI analysis of uh, of the actual monetization of the impact. Uh, I think it's it's um, uh, built in a way that helps the entrepreneurs. Uh, create their impact map and understand exactly what is their theory of change and what are the who are the stakeholders, what are their KPIs, how do they make sure that there's no mission drift, and then what are the outcomes for each one of the stakeholders. And I think the process is is critical. I'm not sure. Uh, I want to say out loud that the end result of the SRI is really very important. <laughs> but it is really not that important. What is important is really the process. And if we want to make sure that the uh, founders of companies and the management teams and all the way to the uh, employee that started yesterday, they're all aligned behind the impact that the company is trying to make within their business, then, then that's the way to achieve it. Beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that. Do you have more examples that you could share with our investment uh, in, uh, oh, listeners? Yeah. I'm happy to, you know, I have the best job in the world all day. I just see people that have these amazing tech ideas to to just help the world. You know, it's just such an amazing job. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
we've so far we've made seven investments. Um, somehow it turns out that many of them are healthcare or healthcare related, even though. Uh, we are looking uh, across the board at technology for global impact, as long as the impact and the, the product can be deployed uh, to address global challenges, we're, we're okay with it. Um, so just a few more examples, uh, a company called GivingWay, for example, is a company that is a marketplace that connects nonprofits around the world that look, are looking for volunteers with volunteers that want to travel and volunteer with these nonprofits. So totally cutting the middleman that's in between that usually charges about $2,000 uh, and connecting directly the um, uh, nonprofits in even in the dark corners of the internet. So the ones that don't have the capital to uh, uh, do some SEO or, or uh, any way to, to come to the uh, front of your first page on Google when you're looking for a volunteering um, uh, opportunity. Um, and um, they monetize themselves by uh, providing services uh, on their platform, so all of it is free. But you can, uh, but you can upload, you can upgrade your uh, your experience by creating groups, by uh, donating online, by supporting uh, your uh, your nonprofit also uh, from your armchair. Um, in that respect, the company signed an agreement with uh, the largest company that uh, um, uh, is a platform for uh, freelancers called Fiverr. And uh, Fiverr is allowing now their uh, their freelancers to provide uh, volunteering uh, opportunities um, to themselves to uh, for, with nonprofits around the world. So so that's pretty amazing how you can really volunteer from home. Um, so that's and and by the way, this is a woman founder. So so it also ticks another box of mine, which is uh, creating a balanced portfolio of uh, of in terms of of gender inclusion. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Very, very strongly advocating that. Uh, so, uh, so that's giving way. Um, we have a company called uh, iControl that is creating a uh, communication device that allows people that are locked in uh, because they either suffer from ALS or degenerative diseases that can't they can't move. They actually only move their eyes, or people that are in hospitals in ICU and are intubated, uh, so they're cognitively okay but they can't speak. So this is a very um, small and easy to use device that helps you uh, use your eye as a joystick to uh, create sentences that help you communicate with uh, the outside world, be it directly through a microphone or, uh, or through, a, um, through your phone in any language. Like uh, Stephen Hawking, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Stephen Hawking and and people with ALS usually have this very expensive device that is on their chair where they can use to really say um, words. But when they're out of their chair in their bed or in their bathtub or in hospital or whatever or outside, they can't use these systems. So the eye control device actually gives them the the opportunity to to have communication all the time. Oh, I can go on and on. I mean, do you want me to go into there? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for doing all this extraordinary work. You're such an inspiration, and uh, I'm really grateful for sharing these. You people can go to your website and and learn more about your devices, uh, your investments, and also how they can get in touch with you. Right? What would be yes. a way to reach you? Not your yes. email address, but website. Maybe you would yes. like to share and and Twitter if you do Twitter or Facebook. Yes, I, I do all of that, and I'm always happy to share, always happy to bring in more people. I think if you're 
uh, a passionate investor that cares about society and you're looking to be a little bit more hands-on and not just put your capital into a blind pool where somebody else takes your decisions, but actually be involved, this is the place to be. Right. So uh, can you give us the website live? Of course. So it's, uh, it's www.impactfirst, that's impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, one, the digit one, S-T, dot com. And my uh, address is uh, Cecile, C-E-C-I-L-E dot B at impactfirst.com, same way, uh, with a digit one. Um, I, I can be found also on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn, and, and, and Twitter. Um, what is your and, Twitter feed? What is uh, your ID? Do you oh, have that? Good question. I don't have that right in front of me. Okay. Uh, they can search it with your name, I suppose. Yes. Okay. Yes. Actually, you know, Israel is a bit of a late bloomer in the impact space, and we're really in the very beginning of this uh, amazing opportunity, which really means that we're sitting on a pile of gold here of all this deal flow that nobody's looking at. So it's a real opportunity. And uh, I think the world of impact is looking for quality deal flow. It's looking for opportunities to blend capital with purpose and with uh, high tech. And, and there is such a, an amazing world to be discovered here. So I really urge everybody to take a look. Absolutely. So what are common mistakes that investors and, and entrepreneurs make and how can, we, uh, can, can they avoid them? Uh, so I think mistakes uh, are when people are either being told to um, hide the fact that they want to do impact because then they'll be suspected of being uh, tree huggers. And again, I don't have anything against tree huggers, but it's, uh, you know, in the in the business and investment uh, arena where we come from, it's really not regarded as being like the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer. And uh, that's and why I'm asking the question. <laughs> exactly. So so you really want to get stay out of there. Uh, however, uh, because the paradigm of these people is that if you're going to do something good for society or for the environment, then obviously you're not going to make as much money. So you don't, you, you need to prove them wrong. But proving them wrong doesn't mean that you have to, to hide the fact that you want to do good and that you want to blend your returns and look at returns in a more holistic way, not just uh, as just financial returns. So, so first, I would say don't hide. Don't hide. Be proud of who you are and what you want to do. And don't let anybody tell you that it's going to be lame because it's not. So, so that the opposite is the case because you're actually reducing the risk through adding through the addition of externalities, you know, especially as we have these climate change problems and social problems and so on. Yes. The opposite yes. is the case. Oh, absolutely. So you have to be passionate, uh, like you, Marianne, you, you speak so passionately about doing this because this is the right thing to do. It's just, it's just you know, it's just what you need to do. It's a no brainer. So why hide it? So, so that's one thing. And when you want to have a career in this, you really want to link with your passion and, and with the good reason to get up in the morning and go to work and change the world. So don't hide it. Um, and don't believe people that are uh, telling you that you can't do both, that you, you have to choose. Either you make money or you do good. Don't believe them. It's just not true. So just, just don't believe this, this advice. Also, don't believe people that tell you that you first need to establish a career somewhere and then you can think about doing good. That is old school. 
that is our parents' generation. They went to work, they made money, and then they gave money away through philanthropy. All good, all nice, irrelevant anymore. Done. An old Gone. paradigm, a de- old dead paradigm. It's dead. Enough, enough with it already. You want to have, you want to work for a place that does good. You want to bring your passion to work. You want to blend where you work, where you consume, where you invest, where you hang out. Uh, you know, all these things, you want to blend them together with the same values. You're one person, one holistic person. You don't have different silos. So why treat your life in, in silos? So I believe that you don't need to first like have a career as a lawyer and then start doing something good for society when you're 50. Absolutely not. Going well, to- you, may, you may not end up being 50. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so I think the, the, um, that's, that's a lot of bad advice that, that people are getting. And, uh, and I think we need to, to get out of there. Um, another thing is that uh, people usually tell investors, you know, you have to be very cautious. And of course you have, you know, you, you can only use your money once and you have to be cautious with it. But if you don't take risks, you're not going anywhere. So it's not everybody's character to take risks or to be catalytic or to be the early adapter. But if you have that in your character, then, then there's no other way to do it. So you're probably not going to deploy all of your capital into high-risk early-stage investments. However, you need to take risks. And maybe, you know, I, I want to quote some uh, an angel investor who invested in, in AngelSense once, and he told me, you know, I invest in all so many companies. And years later, I asked myself, why did I make that stupid investment? It was really such a failure. But in, if I invest in AngelSense, even if it fails, in five years, 10 years, I will never ask myself why I made that investment. It's, I'm sure I made it for the right reasons. And even, even if it didn't succeed, I'm sure it had other um, benefits to society and to, and to people worldwide that even if the company didn't succeed, that really succeeded. So, so you know, you don't, maybe you don't need to deploy all of your capital in that way, but this is the mindset. You really want to take a risk, but go for something that that is really important. So don't let people tell you to make sure you don't take any risks because then you never get anywhere. We all take risks, right? I couldn't agree more. You, at least you're proud of um, having invested in a, in a, let's say, medical device that uh, failed or in this first generation instead of a video game that actually destroys the, the life of your young children. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you want to make games, so at least make games that have a purpose. You know, exactly. I'm just looking at a company that, that is creating uh, games for, for Minecraft uh, that enhance gender equality. Amazing. Amazing. So anything you look at, if you look at it from the mindset of impact and really wanting to make a change in a problem that you can recognize, you can do impact with it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So what is, um, what is some specific and most treasured advice you would give, uh, you'd like to give people moving forward who want to move in this field? So first of all, find your passion. Find what you care about and focus on that because you really can't be everywhere. Uh, either it's a domain, uh, either it's a geography, either it's a person you believe in or, you know, whatever. Something that really burns your stomach, something you want to really put your sink your teeth into and, and go with that. And then you can find different asset classes or different people or different organizations that will be around that and connect with them 
and, and move in that direction. This is, I think, the first step. Um, also, you, you know, we all have bias and we all come with our own ideas and conceptions or misconceptions. Let's just throw them out and be open to people and ideas and initiatives that maybe we never heard of um, related to everything. So being open will really inspire you to do things that you didn't do before. Because if you're just going to do the same thing again and again, then you're not going to make any change. So to, to start with, with uh, uh, making a change, it's really about being open to other people's ideas and to connect with them and try to see if it makes any sense and, and resonates. And, and, you know, just say yes. Say yes more often than no. That's, that's one, one advice. Um, also, I think you shouldn't be afraid to do nonsense. You know, sometimes you'll be right, sometimes you'll be wrong. But if you allow yourself to think nonsense or to think different, then you might end up looking at something that nobody else looked at, you know, it's been overlooked or have some really amazing idea or, or eventually be proved wrong and talking nonsense. But if, uh, if ego doesn't get in the way and you don't care about, you know, just speaking out and maybe being wrong, then you'll do a lot of good things too, because you'll be right in some of the times. And I would say at least 50-50. So you don't get to do the right things 50% of the time if you don't do any of it. So I think just get, you know, just throw yourself at it, be entrepreneurial uh, in that sense. And, and I think also the, the maybe the most important thing that I also, you know, everything I said now is something I try to, to implement myself as well. But the first thing I think is really practice what you preach. So you can always tell people what to do, but they'll never do it. If you don't do it yourself and you don't show your your children, your family, your surroundings, your coworkers, uh, your peers, everybody, if you don't practice what you do yourself, then it's useless. Then it, it, it you know it doesn't stick. People don't believe you, and and for good reason. So you know everything top to bottom from from you know, how you yourself consume and uh, what is the message that you're bringing across? Is it aligned with the car you drive or with where your pension money is is, is uh, being uh, used or or how you uh, treat other people in your in your company? And, and do you look at, uh, at issues like diversity and like, and like gender? Uh, all these things, if you don't practice them and you don't care for them and really bring them out so people can see them, then... It's, it, you know, it's useless, just a big lie. So don't do that. So just, just do the things that, could, that you can practice. That's so don't go to places that you can't feel that you can practice yourself. Yeah, be co congruent with who you are. Find your identity and live it. Yes. So what, what is your daily transformative practice? What do you do on a daily basis so you can take care of yourself, so you can take care of others? First of all, I speak to people like you. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to do that as much as I can uh, to people that are inspiring me, to people who are leaders in this impact industry, to people who never heard of it, but if, when they heard about it, when they hear about it, they have their own ideas. Uh, I try to read as much as I can about things that are happening in, in this world of impact and also outside of it. And I, I try to just educate myself and uh, because I feel the need to educate others. I try to, I'm trying to really um, create this amazing industry, uh, impact industry in Israel. So it's really about transferring knowledge and to have that, you need to have the knowledge first. Uh, 
Um, I also try to find these moments where I do nothing. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, daydream or um, just uh, get off with my thoughts and dreams. And, and that's when ideas come to me. So I, I try to do that. I practice uh, Tai Chi, which is uh, critical for my life. Um, it gives me a lot of peace and quiet and the ability to meditate and go into myself and, uh, and find my own peace. Uh, so these are things that, that strengthen me. Um, I uh, try to be a role model that gives me a lot of satisfaction. I didn't, I didn't think it, it would be because I was, uh, well, I was never a shy person, but I was never kind of so outspoken. Um, and I realized about 10 years ago that if I really wanted to empower younger people and, and more particularly younger women to, to come into this space and, and be entrepreneurial and, and, you know, just to succeed, um, I needed to showcase what I, you know, what I do and, and be a role model. So, so I tried to do that and, and give my time and, uh, and energy to, to help younger people and, and, that is amazingly rewarding. Um, so, so I'm really, it's, it's fun for me. Um, so yeah, this is pretty much what I do. And I cook. <laughs> ah, cooking. That's wonderful. How, how did you get into Tai Chi? Oh, well, uh, I've always wanted to do something like this. I remember from, from when I was 16 year old, years old, I saw something like that on, on television in a movie and I had no idea what I was, but it looked so amazing that I wanted to do it. And it, I started when I was 25, uh, and I started to just look at it better, bigger and bigger all the time. I had the opportunity to live in, in Japan for four years, so that's where I started to practice in 1988, and uh, I still do, and I, and I teach also. So that's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's such an amazing tool. I use it with everything I do. Yeah, and that shows. It shows that you uh, you have this. You have mastered in introspection, and you are an integrated human being. And we all know that the longest way is that between the the brain and the heart. And you've mastered that. It's um, it's an honor to know you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, man. It's a it's a big compliment coming from you. But you know, it's it's taking years, and I re would really like to help younger people get to that point much faster than I did. I'm really a late bloomer. <laughs> well, it's never too late uh, to do the right thing, and you've done it already for decades. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. For more on Cecile Bliliou, follow her on Twitter at Cecile Impact First. That's Cecile Impact 1ST. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.